Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Because it's Pride Month, I wanted to take a moment to dig a little deeper into something happening right now in the drag world. Drag Queen Story Hour has been subjected to many attacks lately, particularly from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and hate groups like the Proud Boys. Because of these events, I wanted to speak with people involved in Drag Queen Story Hour and get their takes on what's been happening. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. On Saturday, June 11, 2022, a library in the San Francisco Bay Area was hosting a special event for Pride Month, Drag Queen Story Hour. The event was attended by lots of children and families, and a few minutes into the event, a group of five men walked in to disrupt it. These men, who self-identified as members of the Proud Boys, a white supremacist organization, shouted homophobic and transphobic slurs. The queen hosting the event, Handa Dolce, was escorted out of the event space for her safety. In an Instagram post that she has since deleted, Panda wrote that the men, quote, totally freaked out the kids. They got right in our faces. They jeered. They attempted to escalate to violence. Thankfully, no one was physically hurt, but Alameda County Sheriff's deputies are now investigating this incident as a hate crime and as harassment of children. This event is just one example of the rise in incidents by online hate groups targeting pride events across the country. It's disturbing, to say the least, and some point the blame at the rhetoric from people like Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has said that Drag Queen Story Hour needs to be, quote, illegal, and recently tweeted that she is introducing a bill to, quote, make it illegal for children to be exposed to drag queen performances. Because it's Pride Month, I wanted to dig a little deeper into this and speak with people involved with Drag Queen Story Hour. So here's my chat with Beatrice Thomas, president of the board of the organization behind Drag Queen Story Hour, and the drag queen Lil Miss Hot Mess, 
who not only regularly participates in Drag Queen Story Hours, but is also the author of two children's books. The first being, The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish Swish Swish, and the latest being, If You're a Drag Queen and You Know It. I'll leave links to those in the episode show notes. There's so much going on in the news in terms of, because it's Pride Month, of course, there's a lot more activity around this topic. Um, and mainly what's been happening is you have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is has tweeted uh, nothing. I don't think official has come out as of this recording, but has tweeted that they are uh, pushing legislation to I forget exactly how she worded it, but ban drag queens from being near children. Um, I don't know if constitutionally that's going to pass. I'm not a political reporter, but I do feel like constitutionally that will not fly. Um, and then also there have been Proud Boy uh, protesters going to drag queen pride events, drag queen story hour um, and disrupting it. And just recently uh, in San Francisco area, in the Bay Area, there was an incident. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on what in general, what's your reaction to some of the events happening right now? Um, Beatrice, I'll start with you. I mean, I think incredulosity, if that is a word. My first reaction, of course, is, is everyone okay? Are the readers okay? Are the children okay? Are the parents okay? That's like, that's the first thing that I think about. And then I think like, what are we going to do? But my first reaction is of, of like that, that sort of visceral is like, really? Like, children and parents at a library creating terrorism like really incredulosity mm -hmm. little miss hot mess i think my reaction here is just yes also that incredulosity and the feeling that this is unfortunately not new but it is intensifying you know it's yeah. rooted in the same old homophobia and transphobia that we've been dealing with you know, for decades, um, but that there, it's alarming that, that these people are becoming even more and more emboldened and that this rhetoric is becoming even more and more mainstream. Yeah. And that's something that I, I wanted to touch on um, in some ways in that it does feel part of me thinks, you know, why didn't this happen in October? You know, the drag queen story hour was happening in October. Why isn't this happening around Christmas? Drag queens are out in Christmas. Like it's, there's a, there's an opportunistic moment that I, some people who are critics of Drag Queen Story Hour and of queer rights in general um, for using events around happening in the month of June around Pride to then push a narrative, to push a political message. Uh, do you think that that is happening? Do you think that's why this is happening now? And do you think these people who are doing these things against Drag Queen Story Hour or are pushing this legislation against drag queens being near children do they even care about the actual issue of Drag Queen Story Hour or do they see it as an issue to push their own political message? I, I don't I don't think that um, anyone who is uh, this is clearly a, a, a just pre-planned, um, you know, convenient uh, opportunity to create to sow division uh and and of course june if you are going to be a divisive person who is strategizing to create uh the the biggest nastiest scariest splash 
terror uh, as, as you can, then uh, pride presents itself as as a as a as a as a targeted time. Um, but I don't think that any of them have taken any time to understand what the programming is uh, and why and how it supports and sustains the safety and care of children and not and 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 we don't pick and choose the children that we support and sustain their safety we are looking at all children creating safer spaces for all children every gender every race every age even and I, I mean, an exposure to, I mean, just in terms of my own background and my own upbringing, you know, I, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, raised there for a few oh. years, moved to, oh, let me, Beatrice, you too? I Baltimore. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, and then I moved to St. Louis, Missouri. And it's, it's for me, just in growing up, I was around lots of different types of people in different school settings because of the areas that I come from, both racially not so much, I would say, sexuality, but both racially and in terms of gender and having different types of people exposed to different types of people. And for me, as a, I will say, as a supporter of Drag Queen Story Hour, I then see that in children. If, if a child, uh, even if it's just a, a little a little boy who loves baseball, but they go to Drag Queen Story Hour and they see a drag queen, maybe when they grow up, they'll they'll think differently about seeing different types of people. So it's not just for at quote unquote, what a lot of people are saying, changing kids into being queer or anything. It's for every child. Uh, and I wanted to know your thoughts on that, Lomas Hot Mess. Yeah, I mean, I do think that drag is for everyone. You know, historically, it's been a queer and trans performance practice, but part of what makes it so powerful and so magical is that anybody can do it. Anybody can try it on. All you have to do is kind of be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and to kind of get in touch with your inner fabulosity. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think that, that again, that's kind of a threatening thing to the people on the right because they want us to, to be closed-minded. They want us to be in fear. They want us to, you know, not have a creative thought or a critical thought. Um, and, and that's really what we're teaching kids is how to, to think for themselves, how to think creatively, um, how to get in touch with their own inner fabulosity. And that, that looks different in every child. Yeah. However that manifests, even if that manifests with a baseball bat or with a, with a high heel, it doesn't matter how the fabulosity is manifested. It just has to be manifested some way, you know? So the, the, the children's books are fantastic and they're Thank adorable you. and i want to know how you go about writing the children's books the children's books really started as songs that i was singing with the kids at drag queen story hour events and i you know wanted to give them something that they could take home with them and so the books were a logical way to come up with that um, and, you know, in terms of sort of thinking about them, I honestly kind of wrote them as I went along, you know, as I was on the subway or in a taxi on a way to an event, kind of thinking about what, what could I offer kids that gives them like a little bit deeper of a dive into drag culture. And, you know, so many queens are famous for changing the lyrics or giving a twist to some kind of element of pop culture. So it felt like a kind of nice way to take, you know, kids songs, things that are age appropriate, but still give them that little bit of a twist. And like, how did you, how did drag start for you? 
Oh, drag. I mean, in some ways, drag has always been around for me. I was that kid who, you know, loved to perform, loved to do theater, loved to put a towel on my head and call it a wig and wear my mom's high heels. And I did a lot of, of that. I did a lot of yes. that. Yes. yes. Guilty, guilty, what guilty. What is it about that towel? That towel. There's something about a towel that just becomes <laughs> a beautiful piece of hair. What is it? I don't get it. It's it's the drama. It's but that's also very drag too, right? Yeah. Is sort of taking things that you have around you and making them even more fabulous. So yes. Yes. I guess that's where we get it from. But uh, but yeah, I I really started formally doing drag when I moved to San Francisco almost 15 years ago now, um, and I was just you know, enamored by that scene that was very kind of artsy and punk and political and in your face about it. And yeah, that that was the home that I grew up in. Yeah. And so with the children's books, because I mean, it's it's not every day you see a drag queen authoring children's books. So like what sort of reaction have you had to uh, the first book, I should say, was called The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. And the second book is If You're a Drag Queen and You Know It. So like what sort of reaction have you gotten from people, from parents, I should say, to the books? I mean, parents love it, except that I've been told that you can never sing them just once, that you have to do them over and over again. <laughs> so that that's the one downside of the books. But I think parents love it because it teaches kids about drag, but not in a like, you know, drag queens or ABC, XYZ. It, it allows them to sort of embody it, to sing and dance along with it, to feel you know, that kind of sense of queerness in their own bodies to see mm-hmm. what it feels like to swish their hips or shimmy their shoulders or shout yes, queen. And, yeah. you know, that might not be for every kid, but the part of drag is also about kind of like taking risks and experimenting and improvising. And so I think, yeah, that that's sort of what it, it allows them to do. Um, and yeah, overwhelmingly the, the reception from parents has just been so positive. And I think, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, you, you think of the word queer and like, you know, we use it as a as an overall term for sort of just, you know, the spectrum of sexualities, gay, straight, les or gay, lesbian, bi, trans, all of them. Like that's all in the queer sort of family. And we use it very yes. loosely. But if you think about it in a lot of ways, applying sort of queer identity to or giving a safe space for queer identity within children's books is not even necessarily about sexuality. It's about allowing a child to play and, and grow and, 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 and express themselves in a queer way, which is not a binary way, which is not the way in which everyone says this kid is supposed to be playing. This kid can do whatever they want to do and play with heels or maybe play with combat boots if they want. It doesn't matter. It's like a whole spectrum and it's all queer. Exactly. I mean, yeah, like you said, queerness sometimes refers to an identity, but often it really is just about kind of being at odds with the status quo, right? Or daring to sort of do things that go against the grain. And I think, yeah, regardless of children's identities now, regardless of who they grow up to be and understand themselves as, we can all kind of tap into that queerness. We can all say, you know, I'm going to reject that some toys are for girls and some toys are for boys and I'm going to play with what I want to, or I'm going to dress up in all the most fabulous things that I can find because that feels good to me. Um, And I think, you know, in this political moment, even like there's something kind of um, 
subversive about that, right? That we're in this moment where, you know, we're being told to act certain ways. There's kind of this new wave of authoritarianism that's yeah. telling us, you know, we have to obey, we have to conform. And so, you know, daring to shine your light, daring to sparkle, daring to be the one that stands out itself can be a political act. And I think that's something that kids can learn from it as well. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was a kid, I, the queerest thing about me as a kid was I was obsessed with like supporting actresses on television and in film. Yes. And so all <laughs> I wanted to do was like write fan letters to Laurie Metcalf for, from Roseanne. Like that's all I, I wanted to do. That. And it's like, I was, I was given a space to express my own sort of like queerness, which is a, what I'm using as, as a way of saying my own weirdness. The thing, no one at right. school was saying it was cool to write about best supporting actresses mm -hmm. in general. Like nobody was saying that that was a cool thing for a little boy to do, but I was doing it. And I think what, you know, your books and just in general, Drag Queen Story Hour and, and just even maybe not just drag queen, but like just allowing different types of people to show what it's like to grow up, you know what I mean? The things, the possibilities of what you can be when you grow up is not just the fireman or the doctor or the teacher. It's everything. There's a whole queer spectrum out there and it has nothing necessarily to do with sexuality. Exactly. And like, why shouldn't kids want to grow up to be drag queens yeah. or, you know, hairdressers or whatever all these like queer things are that, that we've been allowed to be. Or PR reps for Lori Metcalf. Thank exactly. You. Exactly. <laughs> we, she, I'm sure she needs more of those. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really is about kind of opening up your imagination. And again, I think that's part of what's so threatening is that like the right doesn't want us to have an imagination because then that allows us to imagine something better than what they're offering us. And, you know, that that undermines their power. And do you think, I mean, by doing sort of the books that you're doing and being so present within uh, uh, spaces with children and like and in that space of children's literature, do you think it's a political statement, your existence in that space? Or are you just being the creative that you are in that space? I think it's both. I think I wish it didn't have to be a political statement, but I think, you know, again, in this era that we're in where anything that goes against the grain is is seen as somehow scandalous and subversive, then I'm I'm happy to make that political statement. But yeah, I mean, one of the kind of ironic things too is that so many of the kind of values that we teach with a program like Drag Queen Story Hour are already found in children's literature. Like children's literature yeah. is all about, you know, standing up for yourself, standing up for your friends, going against the grain, finding the magic that you somehow didn't know was already inside you, you know, all these sorts of things that I think kind of like trickles away or gets lost as, as adults get older, but is already so present in the kinds of lessons that we're teaching children already. So, so to kind of make it a little bit more explicitly about, you know, queerness or gender, LGBT identity really isn't that big of a leap. Yeah. And I think I might, what, what I really want to know from you, because what I think is so special about being an enter entertainer in general, or like a creative type is there's that moment of connection when you know, you did something for someone else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, that smile they give you, that laugh they give you, that email that they send you about a story that related to something you did, whatever it is, whatever it can be, that connection of, of with another person, another soul, and they offer you that sort of moment of grace of how that affected them. That yeah. for me has always been a huge thing. So I want to know for you, just sort of finally, my last question for you, what, what, like, 
where do you get that? Where have you received that? What do you get from those connections with sort of your, your, your audiences? Yeah. I mean, I think in the context of story hour, for me, it really is about the children. Um, it's about seeing their smiling faces. It's about seeing them singing along and, you know, swishing and shimmying and doing all these other sorts of things yeah. it, and experiencing the freedom that comes along with it and the, the joy that comes along with it. Uh, you know, I've been on kind of a mini book tour, getting to do more events than I've done in the past few years, just because of the pandemic. And it's so nice to see kids face to face and to have them come dressed up in their own version of drag or in their own princess and queen costumes, or sometimes just oh, a Halloween a costume. Let's, let, let's wait. Let's pick it up where after that siren passes by. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I heard it very prominently, so I was like, we probably should. <laughs> yeah, if you can hear it, yeah. I was hoping maybe not. There, there's a big fire happening, isn't there? Yeah, I'm staying at a friend's right now in MacArthur Park, and so there's a lot. Wow. That explains it. <laughs> yeah. It's the same for me in Hollywood, too. There's always, I mean, I have a sound thing on my window, but there's there's always a, a siren passing by. But I think they've passed. Do I hear that right? I hear it fading, so I don't know if you can. Okay, yeah, it. I can't hear it, so we're good. So uh, pick it up from the kids' faces and the swishing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, being back in the swing of doing story hours after after the pandemic, it's just been such a treat to see children smiling faces, to see them getting to swish and shimmy and snap their fingers and and all these sorts of things, and and to really feel the freedom in that, um, and to see them come often dressed up, you know, in their own version of drag, whether that's as a princess or in you know an old Halloween costume, but to really just get to to have a little like kid-friendly party with them and oh. and yeah see how they how they really interact in such genuine and and sweet ways yeah well the new book is called if you're a drag queen and you know it where can people get it how can they buy it what can they do with it <laughs> i always encourage people to shop at their local bookstores if possible but it, it, it should be available anywhere books are sold you can visit my website lilmisshotmess.com to find links to that as well um and you know to do with it give it to the kids in your life ask for it at your local library make sure that you know everyone has access to this kind of literature So what measures are being taken to protect the everyone involved within a drag queen story hour? Yeah, we've been meeting, you know, with different groups that can help us kind of strategize around how to keep ourselves and our communities safe. A lot of it is about building relationships and kind of understanding the communities that we're working in and, and who's around and who's supporting us. Um, you know, we're trying not to spill too many secrets about kind of the specifics of what, what we're doing. Just of because, course. you know, that's part of our safety as well. Um, but a lot of it is about really just kind of looking out for each other in the ways that we've already, you know, been doing as queer and trans people um, and just kind of making sure that we're stepping that up even more. And is there is there a concern? I mean, one of the things that I have thought about a lot involving Drag Queen Story Hour, but just in general about the connection to um, local authority, police, et cetera. In, in big cities, sure, there's a there's a large queer representation on police force. And, and, you know, like here in Los Angeles, West Hollywood, there's there's a connection between the queer community, queer rights movement and also the police. But in smaller cities, that isn't always the case. And so sometimes, you know, when you're in a smaller city and maybe the Police have a history of not necessarily being so supportive of different marginalized groups. 
how then do the does drag queen story hour ensure the safety while also acknowledging some of the problems within those local communities do you know what i mean absolutely and i think i can speak to a little bit about this as as all of this is kind of fresh and mounting we are meeting as fast as we can and creating um creating opportunity for us to to make moves uh as immediate as we can but some of the things that we have talked about are one is creating safety riders uh, these are things that you can hand to a venue and that can serve as a checklist to have these conversations about okay uh, we want to check in about what your plan is should something happen what is your protocol do you call the police can you we would our protocol is to to please alert us if you have called the police so we can alert our community yeah. members so if someone's uncomfortable they can leave etc but it's a lot about dialogue. It's a lot about partnering with um, ally organizations and individuals who care and have time to work with us to create a safety marshal program or to, I mean, ultimately, I like to think of this is that like they're bringing their um, their daggers and things to, to, to hurl at us and we're going to create the most beautiful rainbow blanket of support around our events that that we will have so many eyes protecting the children and the parents and providing them with this magical space that 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 we will be able to with with the support of our community with really smart thoughtful action plans of how to behave where should we go what should we do what's our practices we we feel that we can um continue to create safer spaces and continue to arm our queens with both practical, digital, and um, you know, on-site uh, safety measures. And I think programs like the Anti-Violence Project is one I wanna really shout them out. We had a training with them last night. They are incredible, they're knowledgeable, and they're chapters all over the country. So I am going to reach out to my Bay Area uh, anti-violence projects. So I, I think we are really looking to use networks uh, of, yeah. of com our community, our extended community. Because I mean, safety should be the utmost concerned, no matter what side of the political aisle you, 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 you fall on. These are children, there's children involved. So maybe let's take a step back and remember that. I think that's probably the most important. Lomas Hamas though, I want to know, because you you're you're on the front line you're going you know in probably sometimes alone into these these readings and you don't we live in a day unfortunately where anything can happen and and there's a horrible history of of shootings and and violence and there's just a lot of scary things that can cause both mental anxiety which then you know has an impact on your mental well-being but then also just the job that you do so how do you cope with the stress of it sometimes? And, and do you ever feel worried? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I do feel worried and I do feel nervous and I do feel stressed. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm really just comforted by the fact that I know that we have so many supporters out there that the number of people who are there to cheer us on, to create that buffer, to you know reflect the sparkles that we're giving back to them, is so, so, so much greater than the people out there who want to hate on us or do us harm. Um, and I, I just really look to our mission and, and to the, 
to the smiling faces of the kids that we serve and and the families and and you know knowing knowing that we're doing this work and that it has an impact helps me kind of get through any of that stress or anxiety um and and also having a plan you know i think you know being safe is is always about being thoughtful and proactive um but also it's about holding your head up high and and you know letting people know that you're not you're not going to pay the mind you're not going to be bothered you're not going to let them get under your skin Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you both so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time to where can people find both you and also the organization Drag Queen Story Hour? Uh, you can find me at Lil Miss Hot Mess uh, on all the social media or on lilmisshotmess.com. Uh, and you can also follow Drag Queen Story Hour at Drag Queen Story Hour or dragqueenstoryhour.org. And you can find me uh, and all of my information at AuthenticArtsAndMedia.com as well as Black Benatar's Black Magic Cabaret.com. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review and share it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.